Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. What a wonderful time exalting the Lord. Hmm? So good. I, I just don't think there's much better. We're, we're in a series leading up to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, vineyard churches around America, many of them are doing something like we've been doing. Um, some are following a very particular set of topics. We're a little more loose here, but it's all related to the fact that next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, it's next Sunday the 28th, and that's, for those of you that aren't familiar with that word, Pentecost, that's a word that's um, the name of a Jewish holiday that was, it's been in force for, you know, millennia, but it is a particular holiday when uh, there was celebration both of the giving of the first covenant at the Mount Sinai that some of you would know about, but especially the 50 days after Jesus died and was resurrected, the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit that had been in all the Hebrew Scriptures and that Jesus had very clearly said to his followers, you guys, pretty soon, really soon, the Father's going to give you the gift I've been promising you. He's going to pour out his Spirit on you, and you're going to be empowered to be my witnesses. He'd said things like, you know him, he's been with you, but he's going to be in you. And of course, on the day of Pentecost, that particular day of Pentecost, all heaven broke loose and everything changed. It's the day that many people, most people, in fact, would say that was the birth of the church, where God put his spirit on people. Crazy things happened. People were speaking in languages that they couldn't speak naturally and um, prophesying and declaring the wonders of God. Um, Peter went from being timid and a betrayer to being so anointed by the Holy Spirit of God that he spoke a message about Jesus and 3,000 people joined their number in one day. Can you imagine? Talk about church growth. 3,000 people. And they were all baptized. And if you didn't know, by the way, the way Jerusalem is set up, I've seen the, I saw a video of a, of a guy there showing us the, the um, remains of all of the, they're called mikvahs or baptismal areas where you could walk down steps into cutout areas where water was held. And so when Peter told those people, they said, what should we do? And he said, we ought to be baptized and repent and believe. And they actually had all of the facilities to baptize 3,000 people right then, if you didn't know that. Can you imagine? It was all set up, ready to go. So I think it actually happened the way the Bible describes. 3,000 people baptized in water, baptized with the Holy Spirit, Turn the world upside down. You're here today because of what happened that day. So anyway, we've been thinking about the day of Pentecost and talking about things related to the Holy Spirit, what he does, who he is, how he works in our lives. And we're going to do that once again today. Would you join me in asking the Lord to speak to us? Father, we, we love you so much. And there's no doubt in our minds that you are here. We sang words that said, you are here, moving in our midst. And we believe it. 
Many of us have already experienced your touch, and we thank you for that. We're approaching your word to learn, but to really be more than learners, to be those who have been transformed by the power of the written, living, abiding word of God, breathed by your spirit and made alive by your spirit this very day. Speak to us, train us, equip us. We want to encounter you as we look at your word, God. We really have nothing if we don't have you. Come and speak to us. Open my mind to be able to hear what you're saying presently and to remember things you and I have talked about this week. Help me to be able to say what you want said and help us all to be able to hear that we grow. Love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. It's so good to be with you guys. I, if, you have, if you're new here or you haven't picked it up, you've been around a while, I'm not like a professional speaker to come and give you a talk, a preach. Um, you're my friends. And I want to have a conversation with you, even though it's pretty much one way <laughs> this time. Um, but, but that's my heart. And I want to grow, I want to become more like Jesus, and I want to be able to be more and more equipped to do what he did, what he's doing. And I want the same for you. So, you know, what, what I'm talking about here is designed to help you and me grow in our understanding of the ways of God, and especially the ways of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday morning, I... Um, kind of in that sleepy state in the night, and then when I woke up, I had a particular scripture in my mind and heart. Um, do you ever have that happen? And do you ever have, you don't know where it is? <laughs> That's what happened to me. I knew, I recognized, I don't know what the right words are, but I kind of know what the thought is, and then, <laughs> then I went hunting. You know, if, if you're older, which, you know, you're like me, we used to have something called a concordance, Right? And if you don't know, a concordance is a big book. Like we, I used to have one called, it was called Strong's Concordance, and I think it's because you have to be strong to lift it, because it's like, you know, it's this thick. In actually, the guy that wrote it, its name was Strong, is actually the truth. But it has a list of every single word in the Bible, and then like an index where you can find every time that word is used in the Bible, and then it has. Um, a dictionary for when it's a Hebrew word, what it means, and a Greek word. Did any of you have a strong concordance? I'm sure you can find it online. But, but now I don't use a strong concordance. I use Google. <laughs> right? So you just have to have kind of a, if you didn't know this, if you want to find that verse that you were thinking about in the middle of the night and you woke up in the morning and you go, what's that verse? Try to find some kind of hint of words that might be in it and say, in, in the search engine, Bible, verse, and then those words you know, and you'll find it. That was a long talk about nothing, right? <laughs> you, use Google, or, or whatever, I use DuckDuckGo, actually. Whatever your search, oh, hands went up on that. That was like a, amen, brother, DuckDuckGo. <laughs> okay. Nobody's going to follow me, yeah. Got news for you. You got a phone, they're following you. <laughs> Anywhere you go. But, oh, you want to know? Search engine, DuckDuckGo. Oh, I can't believe we're talking about this. 
Okay, let me pull out of the preacher thing. So DuckDuckGo <laughs> is supposedly a search engine where they don't track you and, and like sell all of your search results to advertisers. So if you want to be a little bit on the DL, on the down low, DuckDuckGo is your friend. Okay, back to the verse that I found. <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Hebrew Scriptures. He's writing words of impending judgment to the people of Israel, in Judah especially, who have been sinning a lot, especially their leaders. Um, and it's been lots and lots of years. God is slow to anger, but he doesn't harbor his anger forever. And he's speaking through Jeremiah, telling the people of Israel, your sins are piling up. You really need to repent. That's what the book is full of. And it has also hope because as he tells them, okay, you know what? It's too late. You're going into exile. You will be judged. But because I love you, I'm going to bring you back. And in fact, I'm going to write a whole new covenant with you. I'm going to be written on your hearts. Tremendous promises. But at the beginning of that book, he describes something that's related to what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit. And it's what I woke up with that I want to share with you. Okay? That's a long introduction. The prophet says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. It's kind of the intro to the whole book. A cistern, if you don't know, is sort of an ancient um, device to hold lots of water. Made maybe out of stone, underground, with clay, giant, and it can hold water, can be filled with water. And, and here's what he's saying, look, instead of looking to me, the source of living water, you guys are trying to find your own way, and you're trying to build your own thing to contain your own way, and they're broken, and they're not going to hold water anyway. And there's a, there's a picture there, I think, related to life in the Spirit. Water is often used as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. And if you and I, even, even in our churchianity, you know, our religious business, do things where it would be okay if the Holy Spirit wasn't even present because our program would roll right along and it would look kind of okay, then we have built our own cisterns and we've forsaken the Holy Spirit. It, maybe that landed on some of us. I was with a pastor just yesterday, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit and life in the church, and he said something like this, I want to, to do church, live our life in such a way that if the Holy Spirit isn't very present, the whole thing will be just awful and terrible, like no one would want to come back, like that was horrible. It was just flat and dead and stinky. So dependent on nothing but the source of living water that we don't make our own things up. We're like, if God doesn't show up, it'll be kind of okay because we got a plan B. You know, we, we can do our thing. That might mean something to some of you. For the rest of you, just let it slide. <laughs> but some of us know what I'm talking about. We need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. He is the source of life. He's my source of life. He's your source of life. And today, as we talk about 
the Holy Spirit the, and, and Pentecost. I called the talk, if I remember right, Inward and Outward. Expecting and pursuing infillings and outflowings of the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the outline. I want to talk about the things that are infilling for... Sorry about my cough drop. I, can, I bet you can hear it in my mic, huh? I'm hearing this clack, clack, clack because it's in my head, right? <laughs> I told you I'm not a professional speaker. We're just having a conversation here. Infilling, the work of the Holy Spirit that's really for helping me to become more like Jesus. There's that role of the Holy Spirit. And there's also the spirit, role of the Spirit that's an empowering for helping me to join Jesus in extending the kingdom. Both are really important. And so I'm going to talk from the scriptures about those two topics with some, some building hope, I think, and expectation for what can be so that we pursue what can be. Does that make sense? So I would also say just kind of introductory thoughts, thinking, that in my experience, I've, you can see by my grayness and my baldness that I'm not completely young, even though you thought, man, that's a young, look, good-looking guy, isn't it? <laughs> cool shirt. I mean, he's looking good, right? Let me look at his shoes. <laughs> so young. But I'm actually not that young. <laughs> Surprise. Getting near about 60. I'm on, you know, that's youngish, let's say. But that's because you're over 60 that you said that. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> been around a while, I want to say. And I was basically born on a pew. I've been in the church all my life. And I love the church of Jesus. But I've noticed that the things of the Spirit seem to sink to the bottom quickly and need to be stirred up over and over and over in me personally and in the life of the church. Maybe you've seen that. Now, I, I know Paul, the apostle, seemed to think that. He wrote to Timothy, Timothy, his, his intern, representative, who he left to lead a church that Paul planted. In, in the second letter, he wrote these words, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. They're laying out of my hands. Speaking of spiritual things, Timothy, don't let, it, don't let it die down like coals that get cold. Fan into flame the work of the Spirit. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, which Timothy was leading, he wrote, be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek language, that's what's called a present tense continuum. And it means more literally, be being filled. Be being filled, and then a number of um, words that go with that. Speaking, be being filled, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Do you notice how when we worship and we speak to one another via songs and hymns and spiritual songs, something gets stirred up? We seem alive again. We seem enlivened in the Holy Spirit. Stir yourselves up, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Have you noticed giving thanks stirs us up in the Spirit? 
as we thank God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what we believe he will do. Thanksgiving stirs us up. Giving thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even submitting to each other. So, let's, let's start out by talking about some of the infilling things. And a really good starting point is to remember Jesus' words to the woman at the well. Many of you know that famous story, the Samaritan woman, not Jewish, that he, he made a specific appointment with. She didn't know it, but he did, to meet her and talk with her, lead her into life in the kingdom, into following him as Messiah, and into evangelizing her whole town. Her whole town. As he's speaking to her next to a well, he uses the well and the water as a metaphor for life in the Spirit. And he said these words, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, it, the water I give, will become in him a spring of water. An artesian well springing up. I'm going to give you a cup of water, but when I give it to you and you drink it, it's going to turn into a well spring inside of you that you'll never thirst again. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit in you is like an artesian well, providing what you need for all your thirsts. As far as I can tell, God has created me and designed me and you to have lots of thirsts. And we err, we, we mess up when we look to other sources. The first thing I said from Jeremiah, you've left me the spring of living water and made cisterns for yourself. When we look at other places to fill up the thirst in our life, we get thirsty again. When we look, the woman he's talking to has been jumping from relationship to relationship She's been married five different times. She's with a man, number six apparently, and he's not her husband. And he talks to her about that in this context. Some of us go after relationship, trying to satisfy our thirst. And there's many other things in the world that I could list. You could list them with me. The point is, Jesus has provided, when we've looked to him, something more than a one-time Fix. He's provided the Holy Spirit in us as an artesian well, giving us resource for our thirst. In addition to the outflowing that we've talked about a lot, we'll talk a little bit more, but I'm just, let me just cover a couple of the things, and I'm not covering all the Bible has to say about this. But one of the things that he gives us is an affirmation of our identity as children of God, which is not something to run past. This is huge to know that you're a child of God. So look at the scriptures. In Romans 8, Paul, filled with the Spirit, writes words from the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, if you don't know, would be the Aramaic, the language of the Jews at the time, the colloquial language vernacular, I guess you could say, that is how you say Papa or Daddy, Papa, Abba, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, 
This is amazing. We are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings. This is what the Holy Spirit, one of the things the infilling in you does that you can expect and pursue. If you have your identity as a son or a daughter of God settled, that changes everything about your whole life. I mean, seriously. You have a foundation and a confidence that will get you through storms. You know that you belong, that you are loved, that the one that really matters is pleased with you. You have this resource to live from. You have the resources of heaven as an heir of God who is your father. And here's one more. So, identity. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter, son of God, which comes from the Holy Spirit that's been given to you like a drink of water that's now a wellspring in you. Secondly, watch these words. I'll say them, and then we're going to read a scripture that has them. Washes, sanctifies, and justifies. Washes, sanctifies, and justifies. In the letter to the Corinthian church, Paul writes, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And the next words are a list of a bunch of sins that we're just not going to take the time to read today. We just don't have time. But the wicked that do all these sins won't inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, referring to those sins. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit in you, who's a well of living water infilling, does these three things at least. Well, at least four, including the, the sonship issue. Washing implies that not only are my sins forgiven, their stain is removed. And not only are my sins forgiven and their stain removed, the sins of others that have left stains on me are also washed away. And if you've lived more than about 30 seconds, you know that that's a process. You need to be washed, washed, washed. You have, if you've put your trust in Jesus, the spirit of the living God living in you like a wellspring that you can drink from all the time to wash you. More than that, he sanctifies you. Sanctify sounds like a religious word, and I guess it is. It means to take something and set it apart for the purposes of God's use. You are no longer, if you are in Jesus, you're not a regular person. You're not. You have been, by God's Spirit, set apart for God's pleasure and purpose. You are holy unto him. Knowing that's very helpful. It also uh, lets you know I have purpose, I have meaning in life because I have been chosen and selected and sanctified to God's purposes. I've been washed and I've been sanctified. I belong to God. I have, when I get up in the morning, I will do well to go, oh, I'm glad I have an artesian well in me bubbling up for life, infilling me, reminding me that I've been set apart today for God's purpose. God, how you want to use me today? I belong to you. 
And I can't wait to see what you have in store for me as I am sanctified unto you. You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. Justified's a cool word. Um, it has, of course, that sense of, of sort of legal, you've been you're before the court and you were guilty and now you've been made innocent, so you're declared innocent. So it does mean that, and that's actually, the way I said that sort of minimized it. Let me take that back. That's really huge, I've been justified before God. Just, and some people say it's just as if I never sinned. That's true, but it's bigger than that. Because, the, you know, you hear, I hope you hear, in Justify, God's justice. As you read, if you read the scriptures, especially Isaiah, but all through the scriptures, you'll see this pairing of words, righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne, for example. Righteousness and justice. And part of the meaning of justice, as we're called to do justice, that's from the prophets, has this sense of undoing injustice. As we become justified, we're not only made right before God, but we are now agents of His making things right. And one of the pictures I've loved reading um, from some of the scholars is there's the sense of being someone who's restoring shalom to the lives of others. So you you run into people who are oppressed by whatever, by Satan, or by unjust systems perhaps, various things in societies, especially in the Hebrew society, they were in trouble because the rich were oppressing the poor often. And the prophets would say, undo that, be agents of justice. So I've been washed, I've been sanctified, I've been justified, I'm right before God, I am also an agent of restoring shalom to the lives of people who, for whatever the reason, have been pulled out of shalom into chaos and oppression and disaster. You have been justified and are an agent of God's justice. You can expect, and that, that's really, I'm, I'm you know, jumping sort of into the outflow, but you've been made so much inflow that you are now someone who represents the goodness and the grace and the power and the rightness, the righteousness of God to make things right in your world. I like that. Can you remember those words? Washed, sanctified, justified, and along with justified, think justice. Two more words that the Holy Spirit does. Rebirth and renewal. Here's the scripture I have in mind. Titus, Paul's writing to another guy like Timothy. He says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for saving me, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are and what you've done. Mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what, what are we hearing? I'm sonship. This is the infilling work. Sonship. Say, um, what, was the, what was it? Washed? Is that right? You got to help the teacher. Oh, you're, you're paying attention over there. Okay. Sonship, washed, sanctified, justified. Now we have rebirth and renewal, whom he poured out generously, verse 6, on us through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So, 
<coughs> sorry about the cough, renewal. That's the word that describes God's plan for the whole planet. He's in the process of making all things new. Resurrection is all about making all things new. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. We who are in Jesus are experiencing a new life, a resurrected life. And in the end, we'll read in Revelation, the last chapters, behold, I'm making all things new. I'm renewing everything. Jesus is in the business of renewing this earth. Everything that has gone wrong will be made right. So, In the Holy Spirit, this artesian well infilling me, I also am constantly being renewed. And that's good if you're getting old and crusty. I'll take a drink at that. Do you know, some of you have been around um, Christianity, Bible teaching, stuff like that for a while, and you hear people talk about Jesus' words, you can't put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will expand and burst the old wineskins and everything will be lost. You lose the wineskins, you lose the wine, bad problem. So you need newness. It doesn't mean, you old person, get out of the way, we need the new person to come in and take your place. It means you need to have the Holy Spirit in you to renew you so you can be new wineskins. Which, this is like really hopeful. Every time God is doing something new, and that's, that's kind of his way. You read in the, in the prophets, you know, forget the old things. I'm doing something so new, you won't believe it. It's going to be amazing. Forget the old things and expect the new and all. It's great. The good news is the Holy Spirit in me, like an artesian well, is also making me new day by day. So I'm ready to be a new wineskin to receive the new thing that God's doing right now, today, in our lives. I think there's a movie where an old guy goes, and we'll never grow old. What was that movie? It was the 80s probably, so I'm old, right? Steve knows what it is. I could tell by that smile. <laughs> You'll never grow old. Okay, we should, we should switch gears to the outflowing part, the outward part. There's more things, by the way, in the New Testament describing the work of the Holy Spirit that's really for me inside. But the outward flow, now this is stuff that in our kind of church, we talk about regularly. And it reminds me, a th- thing we didn't announce that we, we should have, I'll announce it right now. This coming Saturday is Jesus Walk. Jesus Walk, what's that? Walk on water? <laughs> so we're going to meet at 10 a.m., at the parking structure in Oceanside, which is over there, um, what, like Cleveland and Tremont, somewhere around there. We're going to meet there. Is there a picture of people doing Jesus walking behind me? Doesn't that look fun? So um, there's a good chance that some of our friends will have guitars. I wouldn't mind, and I don't think Mark Newell, who's organizing this, would mind if every one of you showed up. Like, big crowd. We're going to meet there. And we're going to walk along the Strand or on the beach or on Pacific or that area. We're going to kind of go north. And we're going to be like a roving band of healers. Filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Ready to greet people with love. Ready to pray for people to meet their needs. Ready to prophesy to people to tell them the good news of the hope that God has for them. 
ready to encourage, scared to death in the process, <laughs> right? We're going to do something where if the Holy Spirit is not working through us, it's going to be terrible and stinky and you don't want to be there. We're going to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. 10 a.m. This, in my experience, is the best way for you and me who are filled with the Holy Spirit to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God flowing through us. It's as though there's an electrical system and there's no electricity until you plug appliances into the outlet and suddenly the electricity is turned on. And it's like, well, I wish I had some gifts, but I don't got nothing. Well, go pray for someone and see if something flows through you. That's our experience. So that, we're talking about outflow. Here's the picture of water. In John chapter 7, so remember, the first picture was the woman at the well. The water I give you will spring up like a well of living water. You'll never thirst again. Now listen to this picture. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. This isn't for me anymore. This is for everyone around me. Because out of me will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. John, who's writing this down, wants the reader, you and me, not to be confused. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Okay? Whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not been glorified. In other words, he had not returned to the Father. Here's a quote from Jack Hayford. Oh, recently passed away, but I think he was in his 90s. And what, what a man of God he has been for our generation. Being filled with God certainly does not mean that all there is of God has been fit into a human being. What it means is that the essence of his nature the resource of his power and the presence of his person have come to abide within us in a real and personal way. They were filled with the Spirit, and out of them flowed rivers of living water. And I'm going to kind of run through the experience that is recorded in the second chapter of Acts, which describes the Pentecost outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to look at outflowing words. Can you hang with me to that? Okay. Oh, are you sure? You're good, David. Thanks. Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here's an outflowing of spoken word that's empowered by God. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem... Jews from every nation under heaven. This is a description of the day of Pentecost. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, lots of folks from all over the place, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Serene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. Like, wow, we all hear them declaring the wonders of God. Here's the point. The first thing that happens when the Holy Spirit came on these people is there was an outflow of proclaiming the greatness of God in ways that everyone from every place on the planet could understand. And now you are in a 
city where the, this is happening. The this, the this that I'm talking about is people from all over the world are here. We've got Arabs, and we've got Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites. You know, we've got everyone from around the planet is landing in San Diego. We can, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, outflowing outward, be proclaimers of the greatness of who God is. That is an effect that you can expect and pursue. Another, here's another one. Reading on in um, Acts chapter 2, and here's, here's the idea. That the outflowing is with boldness and clarity. Peter suddenly goes from timid to courageous, explaining effectively, powerfully, the message of God so much that 3,000 are added to their number. Peter stood up with the 11 after all this tongue stuff, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews... And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. He's standing up in the hearing of the people that just killed Jesus, from whom he was just hiding recently, you know, whom he betrayed, saying, oh, I don't know who Jesus is. Now, filled with the Spirit, he's got boldness and courage. You can expect an outflow from you of boldness and courage when the Holy Spirit is working through you. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man who credited to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to God, or over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. And this is dangerous that he's doing here. Nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I mean, Peter, you go for it, bro. And, he, and I'm cutting it off, but he goes on like this. Therefore, let all Israel, can you, he's got a crowd of people, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? I mean, this is, now this is a work of the Holy Spirit. You understand that? This is the Holy Spirit through Peter and also on the people so they will receive. He says, well, be baptized, repent, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. In the name of Jesus, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit too. The promise is for you and who, all who are far off. They accepted his message. 3,000 were added. Listen to what more happens, this overflowing, this outflowing. There's spirit-filled fellowship. There's miracles, signs, healing, daily salvations. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as they had need. So just ridiculous generosity. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with gladdens and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying favor with the people. And the Lord added daily to, those, their, to their number those who were being saved. Every day people were coming to Christ. And there's a dynamic like this happening right now in California. It's happening all over. People are daily being added to the body of Christ. So we should jump in the water. Um, Dive in, okay. If you keep reading the next, what happens next is 
Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They see a paralyzed man. He's a beggar asking for money. They look at him and say, we don't have any money for you, bro, but that's okay. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up. He's walking around. A crowd gathers. Once again, Peter starts preaching, and he's preaching the same message about the resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees and Sadducees come, and they say, we don't like this. Let's arrest him. So they take him into custody and watch the boldness as Peter is filled again with the Spirit. And that was important for me. In our title, I said, expecting repeated infillings and outflowings. Peter was just filled on the day of Pentecost, but it says this as Peter's giving an account, a defense. Peter filled with the Spirit. The emphasis is he's just been refilled. You can get refilled. I like to get refilled every day if I can. Fill, you know, fill it to the top. Top it off. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and ask how he was healed, then know this. He's standing in front of the people that put Jesus to death, facing them off with boldness because of the Spirit in him. Know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the, and he quotes a psalm, the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. And you're the builders that rejected him. God has made him the capstone of the building. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. When they saw the leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, the courage of Peter and John, and realized that these guys didn't have any schooling. They weren't learned people. They were just ordinary. When they saw they were astonished and went, wait, these guys have been with Jesus, and they're different. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with her, there's nothing they could say. So they're filled again. Then if you keep reading, the same thing happens to the whole community. Peter and John go back after they've been imprisoned, after they've been interrogated. They had, I think, maybe a flogging. They go back to their people, and they gather, and they have a prayer meeting. And at the prayer meeting, they say, well, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and sea and everything in them. And a bunch of verses, which we don't have time to read, the end of the prayer. Now, Lord, consider these threats against us and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders as we do a Jesus walk through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled again. They'd just been filled at chapter 2. They're filled again with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly and they were all in one heart and one mind and again there's this whole generosity thing. Oh, the clock is said, it's time to stop that preacher. The Spirit empowers us for a purpose. I'm quoting from John Wimber. Not just an experience. We seek the active presence of the Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus. This is the outflowing, inward and outward. Expecting and pursuing repeated infillings and repeated outflowings. Infillings like a well of living water, outflowings like a river of living water to the people around me. 
Remember when I was starting and I was sitting like this and saying, I want to have a conversation with you. I want this for me and for you. This is available. But it tends to settle down in us. People that are as old as me remember mixing Tang in the morning for breakfast. The orange powder. <laughs> the breakfast of astronauts, remember that? For those of you who don't know, imagine Kool-Aid. <laughs> but as a kid being called, this is orange juice. <laughs> but as you mix it up, the granulars, the granules, the orange little granules, have a tendency to fall to the bottom of the cup after a while. And then you have kind of barely orange-tasting water at the top and a sugary orange at the bottom. So you have to stick your spoon in and stir it up. Or freeze it, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Fan into flame, stir up the gift, and of course, I've run out of time, but there's so much more I could read to you and me to get excited about the way the Holy Spirit works through us, outflowing like a river, and in His magnificent, brilliant wisdom. Not only does He just flow through us, before we ever get to people, He prepares their hearts and sets up appointments. You know, there's stories. I can look around the room and I can I could tell stories right now that you've told me where God was at work ahead of time before the person with the message showed up, preparing the person. He's at work because he loves this people, the planet filled with people. He loves us. He wants to renew us, but he wants to partner with us who have come to him to be the agents of renewal. That's you and me. We need repeated infillings. We need, we need repeated outflowings. And as we think about the day of Pentecost next Sunday, we're thinking, I can have my Pentecost today. I can be filled with the Spirit. So we often pray, come Holy Spirit. We open our hands, we say, come, fill me again. Wash me of my stains, sanctify me, set me apart for your works, justify me, make me right before you and make me an agent of justice. Establish me as a son or daughter of God who can say, Abba, Father, and knows my identity and knows that I'm an heir and a co-heir with Christ. Of all the resources of heaven, I carry the family name because of the Spirit in me. Flow through me that I would have words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy and speak in other tongues and interpret tongues and faith from God and the working of miracles and gifts of healings and all those things we've read that are outflowings of the Spirit. Do it through us. Be like the people that we just read who said, Sovereign Lord, consider the threats and fill us with boldness and courage and stretch out your hand in the name of Jesus that we would heal the sick and boldly proclaim the gospel. One day Jesus is going to come back. And it's all going to be over. It's going to be wonderful. But our opportunity to do the things that we can do right now will be done. There'll be no more people to save. There'll be no more sickness to heal. We, we're not supposed to hide in our little rooms and just, you know, wait out the storm till Jesus comes back, hoping that maybe he'll rapture us out of here so we don't have to go through any trouble. We're supposed to get out there and occupy, filled with his spirit, outflowing with his spirit, 
And in that is such great joy and meaning and purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.